esteemed champagne house, Veuve Clicquot, known for celebrating boldness, creativity, and entrepreneurial spirit, turns the spotlight on female business leaders with the Veuve Clicquot Bold Woman Award, an international program dedicated to supporting female entrepreneurship and identifying future role models who embody the brand's founder, Madame Clicquot's courage and business savoir-faire. The winners will travel to Reims, France for a three-day immersion in the history and tradition of Maison Veuve Clicquot and to participate in the Bold Forum to share their stories and network with other winners from around the world. The Veuve Clicquot Bold Woman Award virtual ceremony will take place on June 1st, 2021 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The event is free to the public, so please visit www.veuveclicquot.com to register. We'll put the link in our show description for you to check out. So it is a bit of a challenge for yourself to be brave and courageous to kind of come up with your own opinions about yourself and to go back and be like, this is who I am and to stand in that and not fold either way, no matter what anyone else can say about you, you lose that codependency of other people's opinions. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? The world of sports has never been just about sports. Sure, there are some that would argue that sports is the great equalizer where athletes and teams have the opportunity to compete on a level playing field. But we all know that that simply isn't true. A brief look at history provides all the receipts necessary to prove that sports sits at the intersection of politics, business, and culture. It is a vessel for dialogue where we can talk about what's happening in the world around us and what matters. Just ask Colin Kaepernick, Serena Williams, or Megan Rapinoe, or look to the past for examples in Muhammad Ali, Tommy Smith, and John Carlos. Simply put, sports is culture, and culture is complicated. My guest today understands this very well. Kayla Gray is an award-winning journalist who in 2018 became the first black woman to host a flagship sports highlight program in Canada when she made her Sports Center debut. She's since done everything from covering the Toronto Raptors NBA Championship Parade in 2019 to making history again in early 2021, when she joined an all-female broadcasting team for the first time in the NBA when the Toronto Raptors faced off against the Denver Nuggets. It's very clear that Kayla is a force to be reckoned with and has a vision for the future of sports media and the part that she wants to play in it. That is one that is diverse and reflective of its audience, which, as she mentions later, includes people of all ages, backgrounds, and walks of life. On today's episode, Kayla and I chat about her professional journey, how sports and politics are intertwined, and why people from underrepresented communities must remember to celebrate their achievements. Today, we have award-winning journalist, SportsCenter anchor, and host of TSN's The Shift, Kayla Gray. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. How are you? 
I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, I feel like they said Mer- Mercury's in retrograde, I think May 29th. So I've just been oh, you know, <laughs> throwing all the things into the universe, uh, walking as much as I can, just getting into preparation before this world turns on its head. <laughs> I feel like the last year has been Mercury in retrograde. So I'm not right? sure what that's going to mean for <laughs> a couple of days. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we're just plugging through. Um, the weather has helped, but yeah, yeah it's, it's been an interesting ride over the last little while. For sure. I have a lot of ground that I want to cover with you today. Um, a little bit about your new show, about your career, about you know your mission and your values. But why don't we start off with starting at the beginning. What initially got you interested in journalism and essentially storytelling? Was it something that you always wanted to do? I think sports was the thing that I always wanted to do. I just didn't know what to do with it. You know, I tell the story a lot of spending a lot of time with my grandparents and, you know, one of my grandparents, my grandfather would have the game on the radio and my grandmother would watch the game on a Blue Jays game on the television and uh, she would have it on mute. And just like the fusion, I mean, that's real old school for you, but the fusion to me was just super, super interesting. And uh, I was just like, man, they're so into it. And I'm also so into it. And keep in mind, I'm not really a huge baseball person, but I think to me, what spoke to me the most at a young age was the feel that sports gives you you know, having played as well, like soccer growing up or basketball um, at West Scarborough Boys and Girls Club, that was really introduced to me. I just knew that sports was something that made my heart beat really, really fast. I didn't know how I wanted to contribute, but I felt like as I was getting older, I was realizing I'm, I'm so much better talking about it than playing it. Uh, <laughs> a real moment of realization that Kayla was not going to be no athlete. Um, (laughs) And so I think, you know, through having conversations also with other teachers that kind of came into my life, I knew that journalism might be the thing and I just went for it. I mean, it is true that it's such an emotional experience engaging and watching and witnessing and participating in sports. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of highs and lows and it's a reflection of society. Absolutely. Were there people that you could look up to in sports and I guess in sports media when you were growing up or starting your career? Uh, Were there any role models that you could see yourself in? Yeah, um, I always would illegally stream ESPN's feed because at that point I wasn't really, when you look at the Canadian media landscape, there was such powerhouses, you know, as I was coming up, but just no one that looked like me. Mm. And so I was, you know, going to the state side and we were also broadcasting some games up here, thankfully, where I would see like a Pam Oliver doing her thing on the sidelines and just the connection she was able to make, the way she was able able to tell stories um, when it came to building an NFL picture. That was so fascinating for me. Um, The one person I look up to and still look up to is Lisa Salters. And that's whose career I was like, man, I want to be just like her because what she would do is she would be on the NFL sidelines one day, the next day she'd be doing NBA sideline and she just never skipped a beat. She was just so informed and players really respect her. And, you know, you could tell she really respects them and the game by the ways in which she was telling her story And then also, too, she was at the production table when it came to long form storytelling. And I just knew that like that sort of hybrid was where I would have wanted my career to go. And so those are the two people to me that I looked up to. Right. I read in a previous interview about how important it was for you to say yes to yourself as you navigated your early career. What does it mean to say yes to yourself? And has that meaning changed for you in how that manifests for you today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. All the time. I think 
as I work through some things that I went through as, as a kid, um, I realized there are a lot of barriers that I put up for myself in terms of like lowering my ceiling at a very young age. And that came through maybe insecurity or not feeling like I fit in with many people or feeling like my interests weren't good enough or just navigating as, as a human does as they're coming into themselves. And so that showed up a lot when I started the career. And even when I was in journalism school, telling myself, well, this is all you can do, you know, thinking like, yeah, temper your expectations about this industry, temper your expectations about this field, because someone that looks like you is just not going to be able to make it simple as that. And so, you know, there was a lot of times where I had to be like, just you're here, just go for it. If you don't see yourself in this position, you be that person in this position. And so that took a lot of like saying yes to myself and saying, just go for it, just do it, bet on yourself. And it still shows up now. It's not like I have it figured out. There's so many times, especially with the show where I was like, there's no way it can't be done. Why you? And you have to kind of go back to, you know, why not you? Why can't this be you? Why shouldn't it be you? And that's not easy, you know, because we are on air and we kind of almost have to present perfect in a sense, but truly like behind the scenes it's it's messy mentally it's a it's such and a what subjective is career what is perfect anyways and i'm just leaning into like the fact that i am a hot beautiful mess and that uh <laughs> and that should come through in every stage and so i i am very transparent about my thinking process and getting to this point because i think it is important because so many people go through it we just don't talk about it yeah i mean building on that is it scary to say yes to yourself or does it require courage in a sense to say yes to yourself and just kind of take that that step and and be intentional about that step yeah it's incredibly terrifying because we've come up in a space or in a time and a lot of us in society where a lot of our yeses are determined on what other people say about us or what they say is to be true about us right so it's a this validation game almost and proving ourselves to people and getting a yes from someone else to take that power away from outsiders, it's a very scary thing because literally it's all on you. You're going to decide how far you go. You're going to decide if what you do is good enough. You're going to decide if the work is good enough, right? And so it is a bit of a challenge for yourself to be brave and courageous to kind of come up with your own opinions about yourself and to go back and be like, this is who I am and to stand in that and not fold either way, no matter what anyone else can say about you, you lose that codependency of other people's opinions. And that's terrifying. <laughs> you're essentially only accountable to yourself and you're setting your own expectations. You're, you're setting your own limitations if you want to set limitations and and working within those parameters i guess it's so interesting how much you know i think that i'm a work-minded person and i throw myself into my career and that's how i distract and that's how i hide but in work there's so many things that bring me back to personal sides and personal feeling and personal views of myself right so it's uh it's it's been an interesting kind of time over the last couple of years to really get to know who Kayla is and that i think is who has shown up in the work that i've done most recently Now, you became the first Black woman to host a flagship sports highlight program when you made your debut on SportsCenter in 2018, if I'm correct. Yeah. What did that 
moment mean for you? And do you think it was a turning point at all in the media landscape where to have these larger discussions around representation and the lack of representation? And did it help start a conversation? No. And uh, that's one of the regrets I I think about a lot is I actually didn't say anything when I made my debut. I didn't come out and say like, hey, guys, and I'm the first because I was terrified. I was scared that that would bring way too much attention to me and bring on this amount of pressure because I was already feeling pressure kind of being that first black woman to do that and knowing that in the back of my mind of what that action meant and for visibility and representation, but to draw attention to it. What I was fearful of was the people that would say like, oh, this is tokenism or, oh, this is, she just got her job because I wasn't yet ready to rely or lean on the fact that I put in the work to get here. I wasn't ready to celebrate myself yet or stand in the fact that I bust my ass to get to where I was. And that's why I didn't say anything. And I wish that I did because I wish that these conversations could start a little bit earlier. I started getting to a point where I could be like, okay, guys, just so you know, on this date, when I did this, I became the first. And I, I don't know why I, I waited to celebrate that. And I feel like sometimes as people of color, when we do big things, we hide it. And I'm like, downplay why we, a little bit. Yeah. We downplay it. I downplayed it. And really, I should have celebrated it because not only is it a message of what the what was and that being breaking a barrier in that sense, but the celebration in itself can also be very important for a young person of color to see, hey, that is a Black woman who is celebrating an accomplishment that she made. That means something to me. And I just didn't at that time, but obviously trying to be gracious to myself and give myself grace and the realization, I just didn't seize the moment at that time. That resonates a lot because I think that is something that a lot of people of color and a lot of people who are children of immigrants understand that experience of trying not to draw too much attention to themselves and not trying to stir the pot and not trying to be an outlier because that creates a bigger spotlight on yourself and, and you just you know want to be treated like everyone else. So that is definitely something that I think resonates with me and with a lot of people that would be in that kind of position as well. But I mean, it's incredible, your career progression and, and what you've been able to do and, and the conversations you've been able to start. You work in obviously a very male dominated industry, a community with very strong male opinions and voices as well. What advice would you have for other women who are entering or navigating similar industries and communities and looking to make an impact, not looking to downplay their accomplishments um, and really just succeed on their merits and on their talent as well? Yeah. Just succeed on your merits and your talents as well. <laughs> Truly, like that's yeah. what it is. It's it's owning who you are and owning your voice. And it's not to say that you have to come in with this strict, this is who I am. It's never going to change because let's also be clear, people can change their minds all the time. But understanding that you are in the room for a reason and to expand and take up space. It is a predominantly male, predominantly, let's be specific, white male run industry still in Canada. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that kind of like things a certain way and want the news to be delivered a certain way or are used to things a certain way. 
But that is so small minded in a sense, because look at Canada. It is a massive, massive space where people who like different things, have different interests in sport, who uh, want to dissect and, and, and discuss sports topics in a completely different way, like myself. And so you have to understand that there's an audience there for you that is craving you to be in that space. There are people that need you to be in that space. And I think when you when you own that and you just show up as like, yeah, I said what I said. And no man over here is going to challenge why I'm in this room. And no man over here is going to challenge why I need to be in this space. Because let let's let me also break this code for you. You probably at sometimes are the smartest person <laughs> in the room. Because, you know, when I, I talked to people over the last little while about like hiring practices and whatnot, and uh, they're like, it's so strange, Kayla, because women come in and they are so overqualified, but they downplay themselves in these interviews. And these men with no qualifications come in and they're just like, and the job is mine. And sometimes the difference in certain industries is that confidence, right? Of like, not like I got this. And so knowing that, that women almost always prepare twice as hard. We are probably overqualified for a lot of the things that we put ourselves forward for sit in that and know that, and know that there is space and a room for you. Yeah. I mean, building on that, I mean, as someone in a decision-making role in a male centric industry, especially as an executive producer and host of your show, the shift, have you ever had to navigate a situation where being confident and intentional in that business role has been perceived as quote unquote bossy or any other gender or prescriptive biases that exist in the workplace? Yeah, I think when I stepped into kind of being a co-executive on the shift, one of the biggest fears for me was like, oh, I hope I don't come off too mean. I want to treat people, people with respect. But when you really like think about that respect, what is respect? It's honesty. And so owning the fact that you have to be truthful, this has your name on it. This is something that is a passion product of yours. And so you have to be firm in what you're asking for. You have to be firm in, in, in seeing your visions through. And it's not to say that you don't care about how the other people feel if you say something. There's a way of approach and, and respect. And I think for me with the show and being a co-executive on, on the show, one of the things that we love is culture. And for me, what was very important because I've been in certain spaces where the workplace culture was simply toxic and felt like it had lasting trauma impacts on me, myself and my professional growth. And, you know, obviously with the conversations, a lot of BIPOC journalists are having of like, man, this was my experience here. The biggest thing for us is workplace culture. Is this a safe place to work? And so that to me is something I go back to in a decision-making role is how are my decisions, the ways in which I communicate, how is that making the people I work with or that have to technically report to me, how am I, am I making them feel? And I think to me, when I lead with honesty, uh, that is where I think the best stuff comes from. Nobody gets offended. Nobody, you know, takes it a certain way. It's also working with people that are very comfortable in their skills and their talent, right? So if I say something, I'm like, ah, I don't like that. Nobody's taking offense to it. They're like, she just doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. We move on, right? It's work, I'm learning yeah. a lot about, you know, the communication style I want as kind of, I guess, technically like a boss, but also the type of relationship I want to build behind the scenes at the shift, because I think only good can come outward facing to the audience that sees these episodes if good takes place inside. A hundred percent. I love that. Now, being the co-executive producer of your show, I mean, did you have to 
fight for your vision, fight for the show, fight for the project, how much of that, you know, was happening behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. you know, on that experience, <laughs> what advice do you have to offer other women who are navigating their own business negotiations, especially with men and fighting for themselves and their vision? Yeah, it was really interesting to me um, because at some point you you feel like, oh my gosh, do I even want to share my idea with people? Because I'm like, what if they take it and it and flip it and it looks completely different and realizing, and I'm so blessed, you know, with the support of TSN and, and meeting Ken Wong and us aligning, they were just like, no, nah, this is good. And feel free to provide your feedback. So if things are kind of coming through and you, you know, because I don't know a lot of the admin stuff, they handle that, but they checked in with me every step of the way. I could be like, this doesn't make sense. I don't like how this is worded. I don't like how this is looking if we're going to go pitch this to other people. And so they were incredibly supportive with giving me the things that I need to see what I put down through. And I think that's very important is the level of trust. It's really hard to trust. It's a hard process. That's the one thing that I, I am learning and that I would like to like share is there's a process of letting go also of like something that you have so close to you. It's your passion. It's something you want to see through, but understanding you can't do all of the things. So kind of being like, Hey, someone's way better at uh, figuring out logistics, let go and let them figure it out. Hey, someone's more uh, is way better at like building out a graphic, let go and let and trust that you found the right person to take that on. So that's one of the things, but through the process was so beautiful was when we were aligned also with Dell, they didn't really have any feedback. They were just like, we see it, we trust it. We back you go to your thing. And that's really, really rare for companies to do because obviously they want their stamp on everything. And I think to me, it was incredibly empowering that they did that because it was like, okay, Kayla, when you thought you were onto something back when you're writing this idea out on napkins, you truly were. And so, you know, if you're in a pitching process where you feel it in your bones that you are on something or that you have something going for you, do it anyways, do it. And then get through the process of also letting go a little bit with certain aspects of it to see the full thing through. Cause it's all about the bigger picture. A hundred percent. I want to go back to a previous point that you mentioned about celebrating your success, especially when you got that first, that first big gig in your experience, do you think that women have a harder time celebrating their accomplishments enough? Are they strong enough advocates for themselves? Historically, maybe that's different today. And for those who may not be, or who, for those who may have a tough time celebrating their successes, what are some ways that we can encourage women? And I guess even like people of color and people that have had a hard time doing that, how can we encourage them to celebrate themselves more? Ooh, that's hard because I'm still learning it. (laughs) I think being very present in everything that you do whether it's, you know, I'm working on the show, I'm not going to check social media because I feel like when you're not present, it's hard for you to truly take in everything that's going on. Also with women is we have so many hats. I'm also a mother to a three-year-old, you know, you have your social circles, you have so many things. So I think the main key for me of like sitting in where I'm at is to just simply be present and celebrating the small wins. It's so easy for us to just be like, all right, I'm done all right, next thing, next thing, next thing. And and because we're always the goal line for us is always moving. We're not taking in that truly the beauty is the journey and not the destination. That sounds super cliche. But what I thought was helpful 
And I did it, I think a couple months ago, because I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm, I'm losing myself here was writing all the things that I accomplished. And then you realize that the list is pretty long <laughs> when you go through all the things that you did and then it gets simpler and it gets to, I woke up today or I went for an hour walk. You realize just how many things in your day are worth celebrating. And then it just becomes the day itself. Like the fact that we're here and we're living and we're breathing and we are healthy, that celebration itself. And especially in this time where we're surrounded by so much loss, I feel like, I think taking joy and pride and even the littlest things help prepare us to take pride in the bigger things as well. I have this practice where in times where things feel overwhelming, it's important to know how to zoom in and out as you need to and zoom in on just taking one step at a time, focusing on like small moments of joy. And then when you feel overwhelmed, like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture and understanding what it's all for and where things are going towards. I have found that to be incredibly helpful, especially in like the last year, the last year and a half. It's been tough, but it, it does help. We're control freaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We work in media. We dictate storyline. We are control freaks, right? <laughs> so it's like when we are not in control of the story and that being the pandemic, when it's going to end, what it's going to look like, man, are we in for some treats when it comes to like, oh, <laughs> letting go? What is that? Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, letting go is a big thing. <laughs> I mean, being in media, in a media role and being able to cultivate these storylines, these, these narratives, what can be done from your perspective to bring more diverse voices, perspectives, and talent to the world of sports and also to the decision-making table? Cause you are in uh, that role as well. Mm -hmm. uh, bring more to the decision-making table, especially I think what we've seen over the last little while with the conversations that have been sparked is, which I love, obviously we're hiring more, but what we're seeing is at only the entry level, right? So internships, maybe like, you know, entry level roles, which is great. This is how we build pipeline. But I'm also not subscribing to the fact that pipeline should only be the focus. So if we're only getting people of color in at the entry level, there's still a ways for everyone to go to get to the higher positions. And that means that we're losing years and decades at some points of progress. Because truly, if we want to make a change, and we know decision-making is a big part of changing culture and how things go, and we want it to happen, we need to start hiring at a much higher stage. And there's fear there, right? Obviously, bosses don't want to hear that because sometimes they're like, well, what does this mean for me and my role? When really, I think what's so beautiful about this realization that like there's actually room for us all. And there's ways in which we can address this. For example, it's so easy to put someone on, on the air that's of color to be like, hey, look, this visually looks like diversity. But when it comes to decision making, if that's not also reflected there, then have you made that much progress? Switching to kind of just the, the broader dialogue that's happening in sports, your show really focuses on this intersection between sports and culture and the bigger conversation, the bigger picture. So how do you think sports is a reflection of the greater community around it? How is it a vessel for dialogue? In so many ways. I mean, we've got freaking the Miami Heat are about to give Moderna vaccines. Like <laughs> it's so connected. 
dealing with what's going on right now. <laughs> no, I just, I go back to, you know, feel, right? And I think if you're a sports fan and watching games with nobody in the arenas this last little while has felt just like dull. And you realize like, damn, we really need people. Like, we really need to see people and be around people because again, why the games were dull to us, even in their playoff form, as much as some of the games were like, oh, this is, this is awesome. But there's one thing missing and it's feel. And I think that's why it relates so much to society is because it's such a reflection of us, right? It brings us all together. We, we do need each other. And, you know, for me, there's so many ways in which, I've felt like the best stories I've done have never been about the box scores, have never been about the final tally. It's been about the people. It's been about the athlete because they're just so much more than what they can do on the court or on the field or on the diamond. Like there's so many other things and aspects about these human beings um, that make them relatable to, to fans. And so that is where the shift lives as we are at that intersection, because, you know, even if you're not a sports fans, there's reasons why, or, or, or ways why things might matter to you. You know, our first show, we talked about why investing in women's sport is like smart and not the right thing to do. I'm pretty sure when we talk about women in general and investing us because we're just, first of all, the best, but also it's the right thing to do because when you have diversity of thought, only excellence can come. You know, there are many industries that can also relate to what I said. And so sparking the bigger discussion and figuring out how it fits or changes your life, that's where my goal is, is if you watch the show and you walk away and you're like, huh, why does this matter to me? Why is this important to me? That to me is the dream. And I don't need you to agree with me, but just sparking that conversation, I think is important. And I think that's what sports does is it sparks conversation. There was so many people that weren't actively engaged in conversations around social injustice until what the season stopped, the sports stopped. And then they were like, Oh, well, let me just jump on in here now. And I think that there's, there is a reason for that. Building on that. Do you think that sports should be political or what's the, is there a line on, you know, how political, because there are some camps that see sports as a great equalizer, while others would agree that it's very much political if you consider history and recent events around things like Colin Kaepernick and the BLM movement and politics and sports are really, in my opinion, interwoven. But for you, I mean, do you think that there is a responsibility to have political discussions when it comes to viewing the world through sports? Yeah, because sports is politics. Like the makeup of leagues is political, right? Ownership, revenue, all of the things, capital, how revenue is shared between owners and players, politics. Like there's so many things and facets in how sports is run on just a day-to-day basis or even as a business that involves politics. Now, I think too, why it's so important is because I'm not going to, dumb down a viewer or consumer. I truly believe that people will spend their time, their money where they want to spend it. And so we're seeing uh, now with conscious buying, when consumers are like, oh, Ben and Jerry's, your morals align with mine. I'm inclined to spend X amount. We know Ben and Jerry's is not cheap, (laughs) but I will spend my money with Ben and Jerry's because we align. And I think it's important for fans and audiences to view where leagues stand because they spend, right? And when you think about, say, the WNBA or the NBA or what Colin Kaepernick has done, people still are rocking with them. 
And even more so because they're aligning with their values. And I would also argue that sometimes for me, what players are asking for has nothing to do with politics. Sure, it leads to politics when we're talking about who you're voting for, what questions you're asking, you know, representation in your area or what have you. But I think the basis is human decency. It's human rights. And so if people who say that they can't get aligned with athletes talking about human rights and human decency, it's a little interesting to me that that's where they land. Yeah, absolutely. So what does progress look like to you when it comes to your position as a sports broadcaster, as someone that is interacting and covering teams and and engaging with athletes? More of me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. More, more Kayla's at the same time, not one at a time. (laughs) More people that look like us in decision-making roles. What I always go back to is the 2019 NBA Raptors championship. I feel like anyone in Canada, we always go back to that. Like that's just, we're going back to the championship. Great. (laughs) But what I saw was a million people downtown and I was on a bus and I was looking and I was seeing people who didn't look alike who weren't just one audience. It was a diverse, beautifully diverse audience of all age groups and backgrounds. And they were all able to come together because it was such a good time. And I think in going off of those memories, I'm like, why can't we give them that on screen? And not even just on on television, but why can't we give them that when it comes to decision-making, giving them that when it comes to the type of properties we buy of what sports they're watching? why can't we make multiple audiences feel seen? And I think that to me, when we see progress in that way, and now we're seeing, okay, diversity of the sports that we're watching, what we're talking about, it reflects the diverse audience that is taking this in. I think that's what progress looks like. There have been a lot of moments of trauma that have been covered in the media, especially in the last two years, which are incredibly important to highlight, but on the same page, you know, how important do you think it is to showcase also those moments of joy in our efforts to support underrepresented communities? That, that is what the shift is. We are not going to shy away from the tough conversations because as you said, they're incredibly important, but I say, trust and believe (laughs) this will be a show about joy, about the things that make our hearts beat fast, what we want to talk about, because that I think is a stance in itself. The black voice is not a monolith. It's also not a space of trauma. It's a space of contribution. It's a space of culture. People of color have been contributing to culture for so long and not been given the credit, have not been given the space to deservedly celebrate the wins of what we have created. And that is what the shift is about. Of course, we will hold space for for the hard conversations. But I think more importantly, what we want to do is showcase the joy that lives within us too. It's so incredibly important. And I think just not having as a person of color myself too, and as someone who is in the LGBT community, not wanting to always be reminded of the bad and just how awful people can be, but also how great people can be and how great our experiences yes, can be. And how great we are. Because yeah. when you continuously see us being brutalized and violence against us, as much as we want to admit it or not, sometimes we take these things on. 
Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes we feel like we get into this space where it's just like, we almost deserve, we're almost just lucky to be having these conversations when it's like, no, we deserve to be in all of these conversations, but also we need to, we deserve to be highlighted and celebrated and talked about in the best of light as well. Because I think that brings back our humanity to show that we are just human and we are capable and we are so excellent and we deserve to be talked about as such. Absolutely. Last two questions. What would you say is the lesson that has taken you the longest to learn? <laughs> Woo! I am still learning these lessons. That um, <laughs> hmm, I have all the tools that I need. I think just sort of sitting back and worrying myself sick almost and out of sleep and thinking I'm not good enough. I don't have this. I can't say this well enough, or I can't do this. Or you just go through all of the things and you bring up those barriers, but then realizing, girl, you just got a whole show in the middle of a pandemic. Like (laughs) sis, you have all of the things that you need, everything that you're looking for outside validation for everything that you're searching for, for someone to be like, you've got it. You need to tell yourself that you've got it because look at what you've done. I love that. And it's a really important reminder, actually. And I thank you for that. I think that's, that's great. Okay. Last question. What is your mission and how are you convincing people to get on board with your mission? My mission is to live as authentically to myself, to do what feels right for me. And this all sounds selfish. I know I'm getting to a point, but I feel like when you start doing that for yourself and you start living in your truth and you start sharing your experiences, sharing what you've learned along the way, you can encourage other people to do that as well and to feel safe enough to also show up as themselves. I think that to me is, is what I feel like my calling is, is making other people feel comfortable and safe enough to show up as is because as is, is just enough. I love that. Thank you so much for this chat. That's been Thank really you. wonderful. This is what feels like a session of therapy for me. <laughs> oh my. I love it though. And it's been really enlightening. And also just, you know, watching your career and watching the impact that you're making and just the conversations that people are having as a result of it. It's really, really amazing to see. And I am so excited to see what you, what you continue to do. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, Liz. So thank you so much for uh, making space with, for me this morning. Of course. Kayla is making a statement simply by taking up space as a black woman in sports media and making room for others to join her at the table. Through the lens of sports, she's telling a bigger story about who we are as a people, what we value, and how we're connected to each other. While there is still a lot that she's learning about herself as she progresses through her career, it's undeniable that she's already taught many others who look up to her how to unapologetically say yes to yourself and move the dial forward. The future is brighter, thanks to people like Kayla. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?